Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Pick 6 your host. It is Wednesday, June the 23rd. We are rolling right through the offseason. We are doing rankings as we continue. We have top 10 running backs in the NFL with our pal Cody Benjamin coming up. Uh, more position rankings in, on the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button and tell us who the the, the you don't, I mean, you're not gonna, probably going to write your top 10 running backs in the chat. Or write your favorite running back. If you had to pick one running back to uh, to tote the ball for you, who would you roll with? Uh, Cody, also on yesterday's show. So good to talk to you two days in a row. Cody, what's up, buddy? I'm doing well. I feel like we're like new neighbors or something. Like I keep uh-huh. running into you on the street, but it's it's been pleasant so far. So. Yeah, the old YouTube streets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, podcast, they can get wild. These podcast streets are mean, man. Got to be careful out there. Uh, so let's. So just so people know, if you go to CBSSports.com, you can find the top 10 running back list. The The gentleman who put that together, uh, our pal Patrick Walker, friend of the podcast, of course, and he did his top 10 list. Cody put together a separate one because you don't want to talk about Patrick's top 10 list. As well, also, he, yeah, he, he covers the Cowboys, so there's also a natural, oh, a natural distancing. There. Yeah. No, Patrick and I are friendly. I mean, I, we've, we've spoken. We're on good terms. <laughs> I feel like I'm about to sneeze. If that happens, I apologize to both you and the listeners. I'll try and mute it. Um, I heard my wife on the phone yesterday. She was just ta- she was ordering takeout and just sneezed loudly into the phone. It was the rudest thing ever. I was like, what are you doing? You can't sneeze like when you're on the phone with the rest. She's like, Pacho! And just like, it's like, oh, I like, did it twice. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Can you imagine the lady's probably like, seriously, man? Like, I'm, I'm not just- sure. I'm not sure I've ever like been on a phone call and heard, like actually heard someone sneeze on the phone call. Me either. I couldn't believe she did it. I mean, I guess there's nothing you could do if you got a sneeze coming. But I mean, because it's hard to get to your phone and hit the mute button. Uh, anywho, the honorable mention for Patrick were Leonard Fournette, Chris Carson, Austin Eckler, and David Montgomery, meaning those are the guys that he left off. He didn't even mention one of the guys on the back end of your list, Jonathan Taylor, who we'll get to, which is kind of surprising. But that's, you know, it's his list. If I recall correctly, and maybe I don't know if you remember this. Cody or not last year, but probably not. It's fine. If you don't, Debo may recall. I feel like there was something, there's something off about. Yes. Debo just chatted me. It was Leonard Fournette and Todd Gurley were on his list last year. And I took umbrage with that, I believe, because Todd Gurley had been cut by the Rams and was, had been signed with the Falcons. And it may be because Patrick, I think Patrick's a UGA guy. So maybe he was a, Oh, did Patrick do it last year as well? Yeah, so maybe he's okay. a, a little homerific with the with the the Gurley pick. He doesn't have Gurley on this year. Uh, he didn't have. Thankfully, Todd Gurley was not honorable mention. Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley's not even signed, right? Am I crazy? No. Yeah, no, I think like people. Agent. Yeah, he tweeted once about like like hinting at a, a team, and like that's where it's gotten. We're just like following his tweets to see like does he have even a sniff on the open market? I, but I mean, maybe Patrick was looking at it like 
I mean, he's just looking at the talent that was there, the resume that was there at the time. And I don't know that anyone like two or three years ago expected Todd Gurley to be on the street like this, but this is like, that speaks to the, the greater, the bigger picture about running backs and just, man, is it tough to like, look at, I mean, the top five guys are, are great, but these like 10 to 20, like how many of these guys are going to be getting second contracts or even in the league five years from now? So. It's, it's, that's a great point. And um, I, I have a dynasty team that's with like a, fa- like a fantasy football dynasty team with like Jamie and, and Heath and all those guys um, that he started. And I had, Saquon Barkley and Todd Gurley and three years ago, it's like, I'm unstoppable. And I'm like, this team sucks. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, Gurley. Yeah. I mean, I talked about when we did the, we discussed top 25 players under 25. Um, I think Josh Jacobs was included. And I, I do regret that. Um, no, that's and right. mainly, right. yep. but, but mainly because I think we use Todd Gurley as an example. Like I could easily see somebody like Josh Jacobs, like where he's just kind of, he's a physical runner. He's, I mean, Todd Gurley wasn't always just, physical runner but like just run into the ground he was a legitimate mvp candidate four years ago yeah i mean he he is not even a top 10 running back nor is he even a signed nfl player it's crazy the lions i believe are the team that had talked about bringing him in they have deandre swift they just cut it would be weird to cut carry on johnson and sign todd Gurley. like what are you what are we doing just replacing you know and todd Gurley's knee injuries i mean not every running back has his medical history or medical issues but there's still a bigger i mean we'll get into it as we go through the list there's a a philosophical like a bigger picture question about running backs i mean we've been having it for years now so yeah and you didn't even i mean consider todd Gurley for this list obviously no i actually forgot that he was like in the pool of candidates i like genuinely like he his name did not cross my mind once during this this exercise (laughs) until today until i started talking about todd exactly uh and you know do, all right, so who were your toughest names to leave off uh, Your for you? The the guys that you struggle to not include, I would have to assume, having just talked to you about the top 25 under 25, which featured a gentleman named Miles Sanders who plays for your Philadelphia Eagles, that leaving him off this list was difficult. Yeah, and there's only, there's only a few guys on here that are under 25, which is, I think, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor. They, those might be the only ones that are under 25 when the season starts. Um, but... I mean, was it tough? Actually, not too much because uh, we talk about this with with each position. Like quarterbacks, there's a select group that's elite, and then there's a group that's like good, but you could shuffle them around like 50 different ways, and it would be fine. Same goes for running backs. Like Miles Sanders, I like Miles Sanders, but like, is he that much better than like if you were to put Kareem Hunt on the Eagles? I mean, is he giving you the same thing? Uh, Antonio Gibson. I mean, there's like 15 to 20 guys that. Like, you know, Jonathan Taylor, Chris Carson at the back end of my top 10, you could, you can easily shuffle. I I hate to like, it sounds like a cop out, like not defending the bottom of this list, but there are just so many guys, especially at running back where, um, you know, Joe Mixon is probably the biggest omission on, on my top 10. I think you can slot him in anywhere from eight to 10. Um, But yeah, so many guys, like you, you trade them in real life and, the impact is just so much dependent on the offensive line in front of you, uh, everything else. So, I will say that the two guys that you will regret not including on this list are um, – uh, oh, geez, let me see. Joe Mixon is a possibility. But I think the two guys that you will regret not including on this list, Antonio Gibson 
who I think will get a, a lot of carries and, and, and not, not in the sense that you're like, Oh, this was obvious. I should have had them on the list, but that they will play yep. their way onto the list. Antonio Gibson for the Washington football team who will see a lot more carries this year. I think that that offense will be substantially better upgraded with, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, which is not a thing I expected to say in 2021. And then the other guy, Austin Eckler, who, mm-hmm. If you look at the depth chart for the Chargers, they really didn't add a ton of depth to the running back position or anything, really. They drafted Larry Roundtree in the sixth round. They have Josh Kelly and Justin Jackson. Otherwise, it's just Austin Eckler on an offense that will be dangerous in the passing game. We expect to be a a little more aggressive and maybe less run heavy, but that's fine for Eckler because he's such a dynamic threat out of the backfield. And with the, you know, the upgrades at offensive line, the draft for Sean Slater, uh, pick up Corey Lindsay and free agency, Brian Berlaga back. I think we could see Eckler have a monster year in 2021 and and you potentially regret having him on there. Maybe even at the expense of a guy like Zeke Elliott, who checked in at number eight. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, you're right. This the top group of this the top group of these running backs is pretty easy to put together, and then it's sort of maybe a bit of personal flair, like flavor. Like what do you you know what do you like in your running back? Who do you think will excel? I like the fact that you put Jonathan Taylor on here. I think leaving him off uh, was a mistake by uh, by uh, by uh, Patrick Walker. There, I also think again he left Austin Eckler off too, and then had David Montgomery as an honorable mention. I think I think Jonathan Taylor much better than than David Montgomery. We will see how that plays out in twenty twenty one. So to the list, Chris Carson at number ten, Jonathan Taylor at number nine, Zeke Elliott at number eight. I think that's probably the cutoff area where you say, all right, you could move these guys in and on and off. Um, Carson, what, what drew you to Carson there at number 10? Yeah, I mean, he's obviously got some, some injury issues. This, just the way that he runs the ball, he's more of a a throwback, like a bigger physical, um, just, you know, exactly what you'd think a Seattle running back should be, at least the way that they've played offense lately. Um, but because despite the injuries, um, you look at the last three years, he's got 3,062 rushing yards the last three years and he's missed seven games. So that's, you know, 3,000 yards in 41 games. He's averaging over 75 rushing yards a game. He does a little bit in the passing game. He, he does well in the red zone. Um, I just think that he, he produces when he's healthy. And, um, again, that's a, that could be a question mark, durability. That is for pretty much every running back. But um, when he's out there, I think he produces. He's, he's, a, he's the number one running back when he's on the field. Yeah, and I thought we saw from Chris Carson last year when the when the Seahawks were willing to hashtag let Russ cook, really an improved receiving game out of Chris Carson, where you know he I think he ended up catching only let's see what he catched thirty seven balls last year, which tied his career high and equaled his his total from twenty nineteen, but he did it in twelve games versus fifteen games, so certainly. Uh, an uptick there, 4.8 yards per carry for Carson last year, uh, upgraded over 4.4 in 2019. I think if he'd been healthy for the whole year, he would have had the sort of season where he maybe he commands a big contract in the offseason, except he's already 26. Actually, excuse me, he might already be yeah up till be 27 uh, when the season uh, – it around when the season starts. You know, taking – in the you know seventh round, God, it's it's just tough for him to ever get a huge contract. Yeah, and he feels like to me, and you could say this for a lot of the guys, but he feels like to me somebody that he'll put up another solid season in Seattle, maybe 
two, three seasons, and then he's kind of just one of those guys that's like he's a one-year rental in like Detroit and Washington. You know, he's just kind of like floats around. I mean, that's that's so many running backs, but he feels like, especially because of the way he plays the game. Yeah, the, the physical nature of it, the fact he never played 16 games. You know, he doesn't – I mean, he has – two seasons where he doesn't really have a ton of carries on his, he just came into the NFL. At a, he was old, you know, he came in at 23 and that's tough for a running back because when you're a seventh round pick who came in at the age of 23, you're just not going to get a huge contract opportunity. It's just going to be difficult for you to hit the open market and for teams to covet you in a way that you're going to land some massive contract. And so, yeah, I, I think Chris Carson, I think that's probably a good, career arc for Chris Carson. It also makes you wonder, should he be on your top 10 running backs list? If, you know, <laughs> but, but I mean, again, yeah. like I, like I would, expect- Oh yeah. I mean, I would take, uh, honestly, I mean, yeah, this is why it's so tough. You, you now, to be fair, just pull back the curtain a little bit. Cody stalwart on the podcast. Um, you didn't write, you didn't write an article. You just put together a list for the podcast and threw and- it together, but I would take Austin Eckler. I mean, me personally, I'm taking Austin Eckler probably over. Yeah, yeah, I think Austin Eckler is a good swap out for Chris Carson. If, yeah. I mean, but look, if the Seahawks go up tempo and Chris Carson plays sixteen games, and adding, you know, upgrading offensive coordinators is a is a win for them, and Russ Wilson, Russell Wilson has a plays an entire MVP style season, Chris Carson's probably gonna have a monster year. If the Seahawks are good, you know, the one downside is that if they sort of go away from actually, no, I don't know, there's just not a ton of there's not a ton of competition for Carson there. So I think he could easily have a big year. Jonathan Taylor was at number nine, looking like a bust for, I mean, it was, you know, it was rookie season, but he was, he got hyped up to the point where he's drafted in the fourth round of fantasy leagues. People are expecting monster things from Taylor. And then he had some fumbling issues early last year. He was, you know, Marlon Mack was seeing plenty of carries and then Marlon Mack gets hurt. And Jonathan Taylor, Cody put together, it wasn't going to be rookie of the year because Justin Herbert was going to get it. And if you know, there were other candidates, but man, he put together a stretch run final. I think it was, let's see, he missed a week, tw- week 11, week 12, excuse me, with COVID, but week 10 through week 16 weeks, excuse me, week 11 through week 17, he had averaged 20 carries per game and 123.5 rushing yards per game, along with 1.2 touchdowns per game. 741 yards, seven touchdowns, basically in the second half of the season. An absolutely monster close to the year. Benefited, you know, he benefited by the schedule, right? He got the Packers, who were a bad rush defense in, in week 11, had Houston twice and, and carved them up for 174 yards in two weeks, ran for 150 yards on 20 carries against the Raiders, and then closed out the season against the ho- ho- like hopeless Jacksonville Jaguars with 30 carries and 253 rushing yards in week 17. So you look at his season, had a good week, a good week two against Minnesota, but was largely sort of pedestrian from there until he took off uh, in week 11. You know, you, you prorate that out. So if you take those, those 10 games or those, uh, excuse me, those, I guess it's six games across 16 games uh, per 16 game numbers, 317 carries, 1976 rushing yards and 19 rushing touchdowns. That is the stuff that would get He would be a top five fantasy pick. And I think people are, even with Marlon Mack being drafted or being, being signed again, I think people were very hopeful that Jonathan Taylor can sort of, you know, take what he did at the end of the season and and produce like that over the course of a full season. And that's why he's probably on your list, right? Absolutely. And I think the Colts have a good setup for him. I mean, the offensive line is there. I think he's, 
he's obviously still very young. He's got the, I think, prototypical size for a, a running back. He reminds me, and, and people who watch the film very closely, I, I don't know if this is an accurate comparison, but a little bit of somebody like Nick Chubb, where he's not necessarily like super explosive, but he just finds a way to, to pick up yards. Um, he finds a way to see the hole. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the tough, the only reason he's, he's low, like this low on the list is because again, like with running backs, you look at a guy, like you stay, you talk about the Jaguars. I think of somebody like James Robinson, who like 10 years ago, if you had a 22 year old running back, like James Robinson, he runs for a thousand yards, four and a half yards of carry, you know, almost 50 catches, 10 touchdowns. I mean, those are like pro bowl numbers. And yet, like then the Jaguars go and draft Travis, you know, a whole new running back. They get, um, ETN. I just, yeah, Travis ETN. Yeah. And, and, um, I, I just think of like Jonathan Taylor, he started off very well after that, that slow start. Um, but you're just wondering, I guess, like, uh, is the, is the ceiling that high? Is this just a normal product? Like, I guess it's just hard to forecast, you know, a running backs arc. Um, but I mean, Jonathan Taylor showed, I think everything you want during that home stretch. Very promising. And, and again, they signed, they still have Naheem Hines. So he's going to be off the field a little bit yeah. in passing down situations because they, they really like Hines and Hines is a great pass catcher. It, although Taylor to his credit, you know, was catching more passes, I think than, than people thought he averaged uh, almost two point, he averaged 2.3 receptions over that, that stretch that we're talking about and into the season with 36 catches, which is more, I believe than any season he had at Wisconsin. They, they tried to use him more as senior year as a receiver, but he just, he, Wisconsin's a power run team and that's just how they operate. So I think maybe more of a complete back than people give credit for, uh, have to have to point out that it's possible. The Colts downgraded at quarterback from Phillip rivers to Carson Wentz. It's possible. Who is to possible. say, I would never suggest such a thing. I'm sure you wouldn't. People wouldn't. Um, I, mean, we... I, yes, I would suggest that it's a downgrade, but if, if they get, if they get Carson Wentz from the first couple of years of his career in Philadelphia, Frank Wright can bring that back. Then this team's offense can be really good. I mean, they have T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell. Still, they're still hoping he can break out. They had J.J. Nelson as a speed threat. If Eric Fisher can be healthy week one, Quentin Nelson is there. He's just a borderline Hall of Famer at this point. Braden Smith and Ryan Kelly. They have a really good offensive line. If Carson Wentz is an average to above average quarterback, and they don't need him to be a top five quarterback, they just need him to be an average to above average quarterback then there's no reason to think that Jonathan Taylor can't be the focal point of that offense running behind a good offensive line and have a huge season. I think that's entirely possible. So that's sort of, and, and look, he's going to get the Jaguars twice and the Texans twice and the Titans twice. Titans, Titans run defense. Okay. But not great. I mean, that's a division where you can, you can eat if, as a running back, especially if you have a, if you, if you have leads. And to, to your point about the quarterback, I think even if, uh, like at the very least, what Carson Wentz is giving you that Philip Rivers is not is the ability to to move out of the pocket. And sure. so I don't know if that benefits Jonathan Taylor. I would think it would. Um, but like even just that ability to roll him out or, you know, stretch out the offense a little bit more. Um, you'd think that that's going to benefit uh, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, you would think so. And look, Frank Wright is not a dumb dumb. He's going to do what's he wants. Car he they traded for Carson Wentz. You know, they want Carson Wentz to succeed. He's going to put Carson Wentz in favorable situations, and those favorable situations involve feeding Jonathan Taylor and giving Carson Wentz some good looks off of play action. All right. Uh, and by the way, Jonathan Taylor not on Patrick Walker's list, which I think is probably a mistake, especially 
when you consider that uh, he had, let's see, he had somebody on there that I didn't agree with. See, I would rather have Jonathan Taylor than Joe Mixon or Josh Jacobs. Yeah, and that partly goes to the age thing. I think the wear and tear is less. Um, but sure, he he. Now the next one we have on our, on mine, number eight. I think he had Ezekiel Elliott quite yeah, I mean, a few spots higher. Five. I don't well, know. You're a, you're a critical Cowboys hater as an Eagles fan, but I think that. But I, I'm not out. I'm not out on Zeke though, and I think quite a few people are. I mean, I would have, I would have left him off my list entirely. Well, there had, you go. He's not on so it. So you're the hater. Yeah, I'm the hater. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. like I'm saying, you're going to be criticized as a cow. I, I was being sarcastic. You're going to be criticized as a Cowboys hater because of your Eagles bias. But, but I left Miles Sanders off too, and I gave oh, him a very smart play. I'm yeah. saying that Patrick Walker is a Cowboys homer. Okay. Zeke <laughs> five is sacrilegious. What are we doing, Zeke over Nick Chubb? Did he do that? Yes, yeah, no way in hell are you taking Zeke Elliott over Nick Chubb in 2021. That is insanity. Insanity. And I know that Dak Prescott's out there talking about how, uh, you know, how Zeke's in the best shape of his life. He's catching passes. He's looking sharp. That's fine. It's June, pal. I don't want to hear about best shape of your life. Anytime, everybody's in the best shape of their life in June, except me right now as I hurtle into 40 years old. But Zeke is not the fifth best running back in football. That is you are you are you are giving deference to Zeke's name and his production in the past by putting him at number eight. Putting him at five is outrageous, given the season that he just had. I think you summed it up well as far as like he's at eight because I still. It's not that I'm clinging to the reputation, but his his resume is there, and he's he's done good things in the past. I mean, last year, um, like four yards per carry in today's NFL is like. I don't want to say I don't want to say like a turtle, but it's very like sluggish, like because it's just like the NFL. Like you look at the Chiefs, you look at the teams that are moving the ball. Um, yeah, he just you look at Tony Pollard's numbers, and you know I I don't want to make that thing where you can always like look at the backup and be like, well, look if you just put him in 16 games, he'll have the same production. But Tony Pollard's numbers, I mean, I think that you could easily like Zeke's best case scenario moving forward is probably to not be running to the ground, to have more of a balance with Tony Pollard. And so, um, yeah, I, I kind of thought of, I don't think it's a perfect comparison at all, but like DeMarco Murray, do you remember the days when DeMarco Murray was, like they ran him into the ground and he yep. had good numbers. He was like 1,800 rushing yards at one point. And then they let him go and he like stunk in Philadelphia, stunk in Tennessee. He was good in Tennessee. He was good in Tennessee. He, he, he started off. He drafted Derrick Henry, right. I yeah. Mean, yeah, I mean – no, he didn't Cal- stink, but he was very dependent. And I don't. I think Zeke is a different animal. I think he's he's got more natural ability, but still, I'm not taking him above the other guys on the list. And, and there's an argument out there that oh, well, Dak Prescott got hurt and Zeke couldn't run with Andy Dalton. Well, first of all, that's, I mean, that's that's Zeke's problem. Not that's, yeah, that's like I mean, you you might have Andy Dalton as your quarterback. Some teams just have that, you know, like. <laughs> Um, the other argument, counter argument, excuse me, he averaged 4.09, 4.1 yards per attempt when 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 Dak was playing. So it's not like he was good. He showed up kind of out of shape last year and didn't look sharp and look lethargic. And suddenly, you know, the Cowboys offensive line is still very good. Tyron Smith, Connor Williams, Tyler Beattis, Zach Martin, Lyle Collins. That's a good group. But this this Cowboys offensive line has fallen off a cliff a little bit. Travis Frederick no longer there. And you wonder, like, if Tyron Smith gets hurt. I mean, he was a 2011 pick. And he's been around. He's been in the league for a hot minute. You know, if – if, if they'd suffer injuries like they did last year to that offensive line or there's a, a slippage in play, 
was Zeke leading the league in rushing two years, two of his first three years. And he's great. He was great. He was awesome. But was he dependent on that offensive line? And will we see continued slippage from Zeke as a result of maybe the offensive line struggling? Now, if he's in the best year of his life, great. Zeke's not going anywhere. And we talked about this with the super friends on a, on a mailbag podcast, I think on Monday, Zeke's, Tony Pollard's not going to supplant Zeke as the best running back on the Cow or the or the lead running back on the Cowboys because Zeke's contract is such that it will demand that Zeke Elliott keeps being fed the rock. You know, he's he's not going away. So I think we'll see Zeke get tons of carries. The question is how efficient will he be? And will leaning into Zeke, Jerry Jones wants Zeke to get carries. And if if Zeke is the focal point of that offense, will that take away from all the receivers that they have, from the quarterback that they just paid? I, I think I I can't have Zeke as a top five running back right now. Maybe he'll look like it after this year. That it's possible. Yeah, but I think he, I think eight is a more appropriate number. I think that's a good ranking by you. This is a more of a Cowboys thing than a Zeke thing, but you mentioned the offensive line. I think that's one of the like it's not being talked about enough. Like Dallas's offensive line has been rightfully like lauded for a while, but the injuries there, like so much of this season is dependent on Dak Prescott staying upright. Zeke kind of getting a little bit back on track and the durability questions are like across the board on that offensive line. So something to watch. Absolutely. At number seven. And again, we're not, we're not here to thrash Patrick Walker's list, but Zeke at number five is ridiculous. At number seven, you have Aaron Jones. I would say this is too low, but sort of similar to the quarterbacks we talked about yesterday. You know, there's a list of running backs you have to have at the top and it's, you know, you're doing a little bit of projection here, and if if, if you're thinking that Aaron jo- Aaron Rodgers might not play in 2021, all of a sudden maybe Aaron Jones, you're a little concerned, and you know he 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 was he was good last year, 14 games, fantastic in the in the receiving game, but his numbers dipped across the board, even though it felt like he still played really well. You know, he had 16 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, led the league in 2020. Only 201 carries, nine touchdowns, still good. 47 catches, two receiving touchdowns. Just didn't, he didn't have the same season. It felt like the Packers were very, were perfectly fine with using Jamal Williams more and then bringing in A.J. Dillon more. And it'll be curious to see how they do that. They did sign Jones to a big contract. He's 26, he'll be 27 by the time the season ends. It, the whole way they've gone about this has been very bizarre because you draft A.J. Dillon in the second round and then pay Aaron Jones a bunch of money but can't make your quarterback happy and you've got Jordan Love in the first round. The whole quarterback running back thing is confusing. So I guess it feels like when you watch Aaron Jones that he should be higher than seven. But when you start digging the stats, I think that might might actually be a good number. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I think it, he's a Pro Bowl caliber like running back, Pro Bowl caliber playmaker, but um, a little bit like the Zeke situation, like his best case scenario going forward is probably the balance with Tony Pollard and in green Bay, you, you have to ask, I mean, this is more of a value, I guess, conversation than a, you know, Aaron Jones talent discussion, but like Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon, like, are they like at the same price or less that combo? Are they giving you what Aaron Jones is? And I think there's some guys ahead of him on this list where if you take them out of their offenses, the offense is suffering a lot more than if the Packers are taking Aaron Jones out of the lineup. And so that's more of a value thing. I mean, I, Packers fans shouldn't be upset. I mean, you could argue that he should be higher, but I don't dislike Aaron Jones. I think he's a good running back. I just, I, there are guys on here that I would rather have their upside or their talent um, at that position. Yeah. I, I think I agree with that. I, it, 
and Patrick Walker at him number seven too. I think this is maybe just a good spot for him. You know, there's nothing wrong with being the seventh best running back in in the NFL, right? No, and that's that's right on that like. Um, there's like a line maybe where you're, you're getting like, you should pay this guy because he's like an elite running back and you should not. And he's like, I feel like he straddles that line because you can see, you can almost see like on the horizon, like this possibility of like, maybe we should have paid or just like kept Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon and, you know, draft a guy late or like, you can see like how it could work. And you can also see that Aaron Jones is, is just a better playmaker than them. He's like right on that line, I think. Yeah. At number six, Saquon Barkley. This is, uh, uh, we had, he checked in at eight on Patrick Walker's list. I think that's too low. And if you look at the age and sort of what they're dealing with, Saquon mostly did with injuries for the Giants, both like, like Zeke Elliott, a top five pick, um, you know, Hall of Fame talent coming out of Penn State. We'll see if he can keep it together, stay on the field enough to actually make that happen. You know, the problem is you, you miss a bunch of games in your first few years as a running back, and it's just tough to get, the, you know, you can't get those games back, and that's your prime rushing years. He's up for a contract. I was surprised that they didn't sign him to a big one uh, this offseason, but I guess they're going to – they didn't, right, unless I missed something. <laughs> they're no. going to – and it's this is sort of a prove-it year for Saquon Barkley. So I like you putting him at six better than having him at eight. To me, there's no – if I'm betting on a bounce-back year from somebody – I'm betting on Saquon Barkley over betting on Zeke Elliott, given age, talent, situation, uh, depth chart issues, all of that. I, I'm very surprised. You know, I think six is probably right for him. He's a top five runner. He's probably a top three running back when healthy, but yeah. you can't bank on that. You, and so you want to have him a little bit higher, but you don't want to put him above guys who actually produced last year, I think. Exactly. He's like, I think he's the wild card as far as he has the most ability to kind of leap up the rankings. Um, uh, yeah, available on this list next year. He, he could be number. Yeah, I mean, in fantasy drafts this fall, I mean, I think you should definitely be considering taking him early. I mean, I think that um, you could see his value lost in the New York off. I mean, they're signing guys like Devonte Freeman, and just like um, it, it didn't work out. I think that um, he's only 24 still. Like he's not. I don't know. To me, it seemed like he could have been 25, 26. The way that the injuries have gone and. Um, yeah, like when he's healthy, when he's on the field, when he's fully in form, there's still some questions about like pass blocking and stuff, but like who, I mean, when the ball is in his hands, he scares opponents, he can change a game and that's, you know, that's the best you can ask for. Um, if he's healthy, yeah, he's top three or four. So, uh, we did a, um, I don't think this is spoiling it. If it is, whatever, Jamie Eisenberg can yell at me, but we did a, uh, a magazine. Oh, it probably is ruining it. I don't care. Anyway, magazine. Uh, Magazine draft, you know, the fantasy magazine they do. You can buy it if yep, you're in your yep. local uh, Wawa or whatever. I don't know what you, I guess you're in Minnesota, so you don't have Wawa. But what do you have? I'm, I'm, I'm big in like, but these like the printed magazines, like I want these things to come back. I know that we're still sure. doing them, but I, I like holding the actual magazine. Like you take a vacation, you're reading them. You're on the beach, you're reading a fantasy, you're reading a fantasy football magazine. So we do a, a magazine draft and I have to write a blurb for it. I had the number seven pick. And as usual, I was late to the draft. So Jamie's texting me, you're up, you're up, get on the, you know, get on the clock. So I jump on my phone. I'm looking, I'm like, I have seventh overall pick. Saquon Barkley's there? Like, so we had, Saquon was sitting there at number seven. That's a freebie. That's a freebie. I took him at two last year and he disappointed me because I wanted to take Kamara and I probably would have won the league if I'd done that. But, you know, Saquon, Saquon, Saquon. I'm taking him at seven all day long. I'm taking, I'm probably taking him over Zeke. I'm probably taking him over Jonathan Taylor in terms of fantasy just because if he plays 16 games, and there's no reason to think he won't. Remember, he tore his ACL in week two. It's not like he tore his ACL in December. 
Through his ACL in week two, he's playing for a contract. He should have a he should come back and have a monster year. And I would expect that Jason Garrett wants to feed him. You know, you want to take some pressure off Daniel Jones. You want to get Saquon Barkley the ball. He's a home run threat every time he touches the rock. And so I, I like the six, I like the number six ranking because you don't want to put him above these other guys based on what they've done in the past year, but you don't want to you don't want to leave him off the list because he might come back and haunt you pretty badly if you do that. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Cody's top five running backs. Nick Chubb checking in at number five. I I actually think you can make a case that Nick Chubb is the best running back in football, but I understand people won't do that. You know, the the talent to me, when I watch Nick Chubb run, I just think he I've always I loved him coming out of Georgia, thought that he should have been a first round pick. Clearly has you know NFL caliber talent running through his his, his blood because his his cousins Bradley Chubb and Brandon Chubb uh, both in the NFL he had only 190 carries last year played in 12 games had some injury stuff 1067 yards 12 rushing touchdowns averaged 5.6 yards per carry last year uh, just just a beast out there the problem is the Browns as much as they want to run and running is the focal point. They want to use two running backs. They are not going to lean on Nick Chubb to carry the ball 400 times. They want to keep him healthy. I think there's some uh, there's some some um, efficiency, money ball, you know, uh, statistical modeling stuff that Kevin Stefanski believes, you know, running backs should have X carries per game to meet whether they're the most effective. Um, and so I don't think we'll ever see Nick Chubb get 350 carries a, ga- a year or. 35 carries a game as long as Kareem Hunt's there at least. But it might benefit him. I think that there's there's a bittersweet yeah component to that. Like he might not be putting up like um, Zeke numbers his rookie year, like where he's like 1600 rushing yards, he's catching 50 you know 60 balls. But it might benefit. I think it will benefit him. I mean the the statistics probably say that. And he reminds me of like he's he's like I don't know if old school is the way to say it, but like an old school, like a pure running back who works in today's NFL. Because, like, you look at the yards per carry, and those aren't old school totals. I mean, he's averaging five yards a carry every year. He just doesn't lose yards. In three years, he's he's almost at 3,500 rushing yards, 28 touchdowns. I mean, you'd like to see more through the air, but that's why Kareem Hunt is there. And I don't think it takes away from him. I mean, it does in terms of, like, fantasy totals and, you know, calling him a complete back. But I think you – you know, kind of like we talk about with the quarterbacks, the way that you kind of judge them and compare them. Like if you were to take Derrick Henry out of the Titans offense and put Nick Chubb there, I, I think Nick Chubb is still producing like a, a really great running back. I mean, he's just a, I guess the the best way I could put it is he's a pure runner. He's a pure running back and, and it works. Explosive too. Yeah. You know, and look, he's had two games in his career over 25 carries in both one was in two, 28 carries in 2018 27 carries in 2019 and you look at this you know you look at the game logs from 2020 with Kevin Stefanski it's pretty obvious that he thinks 20 carries is sort of the the topper for for Nick Chubb and that 19 carries is kind of the sweet spot where he wants him to land even in these wins you know uh you know where they're winning 10-7 against Houston or they're up you know they win by two touchdowns against Washington or they you know beat the snot out of the Bengals he doesn't want him to he doesn't want to wear him down late in games just feeding him the rock you know that's why you have Kareem Hunt who can come in as sort of the cooler and the closer and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, Nick Chubb sets you up. You know, use Nick Chubb early. You weave Hunt in. And I think that's just how they're going to operate. So unless Kareem Hunt gets hurt, I don't think we'll see Nick Chubb 
carry the ball a ton. But to your point, he's so efficient with his carries that it, it works. You just have to understand that. And that's why Nick Chubb probably won't ever be number one on this list because he's not just not going to get the touches that are going to give him the, the given the stats to make the argument that he's the best running back in football, even though maybe he's the most efficient running back in football. But yeah, but he's, but if he's managed well, I mean, doesn't he seem like, I think we both agree he could handle like 25 to 30 carries a game. Like, and he seems to me like a guy that even if he's managed really well, like you're, you're 10 years from now, you're looking at his, his like career numbers and thousand yards, thousand yards, thousand yards that like the whole way. And all of a sudden you're talking about, wait a second, this guy might belong in like a Hall of Fame. I mean, we're early, but right. like he seems like a guy who can be just quietly really, really productive uh, over a long stretch. Yep. And he will turn, he will, he'll turn 26 uh, by uh, around the end of the season from Chubtown, or I guess he's technically from Cedartown, Georgia, but Chubville or whatever they call it. All the Chubs are from the same. Oh, sure. um, and look, you know, two Pro Bowls, you know, he needs to play, you know, if he plays 16 games, he's probably going to have close to 1,500 yards, maybe a little bit more, 10 rushing touchdowns, five yards per carry, just an, an efficiency beast. That's that's the word that I think of when I think of Nick Chubb. At number four on your list, and Patrick Walker had him at six. Um, again, I'm taking Nick Chubb over Zeke Elliott all day long. Number four, surprising dip, but maybe it's because of the injuries, Christian McCaffrey. You were picking a guy likely to take a leap back up uh, on this list, and you know, Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey, both coming off injuries, both could easily be number one on this list. McCaffrey only played in three games last year, uh, you know, season before an absolute monster and led the league in yards from scrimmage with 2,392, along with 19 receiving and rushing touchdowns. McCaffrey, not exactly a pure runner either, but he had 1,387 rushing yards last year, average uh, or two years ago, excuse me, average, you know, a little right around five yards per carry. If the Panthers beef up the offensive line, Sam Darnold takes a step forward. That takes it forward. Sam Darnold achieves some sort of his something relative to his uh, expectation level in Carolina. There's no reason to think if McCaffrey plays 16 games, he won't be right at the top of this list. You know, next year. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it would be it would take something like catastrophic for him to not be in like the top five. I mean, like he he's just the way like his production what he can do like he's almost a lock to just remain in this top five like for a while like the number three will get to him but like Alvin Kamara I see like similarities in terms of the type of running back they are like they're not your I mean few guys are here 20 carries up the middle but they are far more like just dual threat weapons I mean they're not necessarily running backs they're weapons and so I, I think it's just a matter of who do you what do you prefer I mean I see Christian McCaffrey as when he's healthy maybe more of a, a steady option in that regard. And Kamara as more of uh, like a big play explosiveness uh, in, in that regard. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you look at the numbers, I mean, three straight 80 catch seasons before getting hurt, two of them were a hundred catches or more. I mean, imagine if he just played like, like, could you see him playing like slot receiver, like sure. just playing slot? Yeah. Yeah. He'd put up like Wes Welker numbers for like seven years or something like uh, but yeah, I think as a running back, um, he, he's still giving you a lot on the ground too. I mean, thousand yard season. So, um, yeah, I just think it's a matter of whether you prefer the guy ahead of him, like his his big play ceiling. Well, and you can you can also wonder, and this is perfectly fair because Christian McCaffrey's not a big dude. Now he's strong, and he is. I'm yeah. not. I, he can run between the tackles perfectly fine. There's no doubt about it. But when somebody leads the league in touches with 403. 
and has a career high in carries at 287. And then the next year gets hurt at three games into the season and isn't able to really get back. You do want, you can wonder whether that took its toll on him for the following season. This applies to quarterbacks too. Ben Roethlisberger led the league in passing attempts two years or three years ago. And then his arm fell off the next year. You know, it's, you know, there's a lot of time in between seasons, but that's a lot of in between the tackles pounding for Christian McCaffrey to take. I think would it be crazy like to suggest, and I mean, maybe Panthers fans would rip into this idea, but like of just having him be a receiver and like drafting, like imagine like you don't even have to spend a high pick, but like getting like a cam acres or getting like a, I mean, yeah. think of all the mid tier running backs where you, you can hand them the ball 15 times and you can have McCaffrey literally just like run routes and catch a hundred balls every year. I mean, is that crazy? Cause you're going to be reducing the wear and tear on him so much. No, I don't um, think it's crazy at all. I, I think look, the Panthers, he led the league in touches and the Panthers went five and 11. I mean, what's the benefit there to wearing him down? You look at the 2018 season, he had 219 carries ran for five yards per carry and had 107 catches for 8.1 yards per catch. I mean, that's probably more – I'm not saying you can't give him – I think they need to get around 350 touches. Ease the burden a little bit. You can't make it all about Christian McCaffrey. You, you, you right. pay him. You know, you know get, get what you want out of him, but you need him to be healthy for the length of his contract. Otherwise, you wasted a ton of money on him, and you, you can – so I, I think there needs to – there's a fine line you got to walk. And we talk, yeah. about, we talk about Nick Chubb. You know, th that's, that's sort of, you know, you don't, you don't need to wear Christian McCaffrey into the ground. You know, you don't no. need to give him, I'm just going to look up his, you know, he had t a 28 carry game, a 21 carry game. I mean, they were pretty good about it and they eased him back. Um, you know, he only had like eight, eight, seven carries, but at a certain point during the 2018 season, they really started to lean on him and, and, and to give him a ton of carries. And I just don't know that that's how you want to, like he didn't need to have 17 carries and well like I mean, sign sign mike davis sign chris carson in two years sign like somebody for four or five million give them the touches up the middle you, you can still pay christian mccaffrey what you're paying him and he can catch 100 balls and 12 touchdowns and you can give him a couple of jet sweeps and like you can get him involved but there's like there seems to be almost especially the way the nfl is trending no need for him to be rushing for a thousand yards um yeah i mean and that's not to say he can't do it it's just that you're trying to maximize his, his value i i think that it would behoove the panthers to you alvin kamara's usage is more in line with what christian mccaffrey needs. right and we have Kamara. Right. you have kamara at three and that's certainly the fair way to do it because kamara basically played the whole season i think he sat weeks did he miss a game or did he sit week 16 Kamara has been to four pro bowls. He's an explosive receiver. You know, he, he led the league in yards per yards per tip rushing his for his rookie season in 2017. He has just turned, he'll turn 26 later this off season. He's signed to a big contract. He's never had more than 195 carries something in the middle. Those yeah. Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara don't need 290 carries. They need somewhere in the range of 230 to 250. And the reason why, you know, Kamara has been more effective and on the field more often is because the saints have been really good about the way they manage his carries. And I think that's sort of what Carolina needs to do with Christian McCaffrey Kamara at number three. I don't know that we ever necessarily seen the ceiling from Kamara. He did lead the league in uh, receiving and rushing yards. We've never seen a 
2018 Christian McCaffrey from Kamara. But again, yeah. we've never seen a 2020 Christian McCaffrey from Kamara either. And that's important. He's been healthy. He's been on the field. He's very physical when he wants to be. He's explosive. He glides out there. He's incredibly fast. When he turns a corner on you, you're toast. He's, he's a monster in the receiving game. He's had 81, 81, 81, and he finally broke that with 83 catches last year. The, the question will be, what happens with Drew Brees gone? How will – because when Taysom yeah. Hill was on the field last year, it hurt Kamara's effectiveness. Will Jameis Winston lean on him? Well, you would think Sean Payton will cook stuff up to make sure that these, you know, everything is simpatico with the running back. But I think there is, it is fair to wonder how he will, how he will be affected by the departure of Drew Brees. I agree. I think individually, Alvin Kamara, though, is kind of like the perfect example of where you, you can be a really good running back and deserve to get paid, but still not have to take that Christian McCaffrey workload or the Derrick Henry workload on the ground. I mean, I think he's, like you could say, like Latavius Murray functions just fine as a as a regular old running back when he's not in there. But you can still justify paying Alvin Kamara because of what he's bringing you in both facets of the game. Like when he's taking those handoffs or when he's catching the passes, he reminds me, um, and I'm bringing the, the, the Philadelphia in here, but like of a Brian Westbrook except with way more juice. Like, I mean, he's that type of running back where the rushing numbers are never, um, they're never like jaw-dropping. But the receiving ability is always there. Like he's always a dump off option. He's always a uh, a threat to score. He's got four straight eighty catch seasons. Um, yeah, Jameis Winston. I mean, if he likes to air it out more, maybe there's not as many of those like using him as a safety valve. But I mean, Sean Payton's gonna he's gonna be like reminding Jameis of that. And I think, but yeah, Alvin Kamara is that that perfect example of like if you're looking at what a prototypical NFL running back should look like moving forward, like for the future, I think it's Alvin Kamara. It's, it's the guy that has more of that balance of what Christian McCaffrey does, just not wearing himself out doing. Agreed. And Kamara, Kamara got paid. As long as Sean Payton's there, I think he'll be fine statistically. If Taysom Hill ends up being the full-time starter, I, I guess I would be a little worried yeah. that it would affect what – and that's why I, don't, I think that's why I think it'll be Jameis Winston. And Winston should be, you know, Winston likes to throw deep. He likes to throw picks. We all, you know, we all, we all know the jokes, but if Winston is the full-time starter, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't see a monster year out of, out of Alvin Kamara or just a similar year where he catches 80, 80 plus passes where he's, you know, used around 200, 175 to 200 carries and ends up having a, a big season. It's also possible with the, you know, with the departure of Drew Brees that they say, okay, we're going to run our offense through Alvin Kamara. Now, I don't think they'll go crazy. They still have Latavius Murray on the roster. They're going to use it. When they get a big lead, Latavius Murray's coming in to close things out. That's just how it is, and that's a smart way to do it. You don't need yeah. to use Alvin Kamara to close things out, but they may decide, hey, we're going to we're going to run our offense through Alvin Kamara. We're going to use him in the screen game, you know, in these quick little Texas routes, uh, you know, just get him into open field and let him explode, and that's perfectly fine. There's enough here where – you, know, he, you don't have to lean on him with Michael Thomas out there. You have a very good offensive line. I, 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 it would be shocking if Alvin Kamara wasn't a top five running back this time next year. I think I don't know that he has the – I don't know that he'll get the workload to be number one. I think, you, like Nick Chubb, you can make the case you know, he's the best running back in football. But statistically, it's tough, especially when you have um, the guy at number one that we'll talk about in a second, and then Dalvin Cook, who you have at number two, which actually I believe – CMC number two on um, on uh, on on Patrick Walker's list. Alvin Kamara four, 
Dalvin Cook three for him and CMC two. I think you did it the right way. You got to give deference to Dalvin Cook, who's, you know, look, just been on the field, has been playing, has been incredibly productive, even though, you know, at times during his career, he's been injury prone. Yeah. I mean, that's the huge, that, if injuries weren't an issue, I probably consider Dalvin Cook at number one. I mean, I think he's, or if Derek um, exists, Dalvin Cook might be number yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that like, he's just so, he's just so good. He's so fast. He's, he's everything you want in a running back. If you look at uh, the numbers from last year, if you were to kind of equal or, or I guess give Dalvin Cook the same amount of carries as Derrick Henry, he's at something about like, if you, if you go off like the yards per carry he had, Dalvin Cook would have finished the year with something like 1800 or, or more rushing yards. Plus he gives you more as a receiver than Derrick Henry does. So, um, you know, I just, I think Dalvin Cook is, you know, they went from, he's a different style running back than what they had in Adrian Peterson, obviously for a long time, but they, they've, I don't know if lucked out or just evaluated properly, but they were able to make kind of that uh, good transition going from the Adrian Peterson era. And now they have another centerpiece, I think, where um, you'd like a quarterback um, to be able to, to lead you a little more than like, I don't know, have a little more flash than Kirk Cousins does. But when you have somebody like Dalvin Cook, you really can lean on them um, for so much. And so, yeah, I just think if the health, issues don't continue to, to pop up, then he's he's certainly in contention to, to be number one at some point. So he missed week six against the Falcons and then was inactive for week 17. If I, if I recall, maybe I'm wrong. I feel like he didn't, because they were out of the playoff hunt in week 17. I feel like did they sit in week 17 or was he hurt week 17? I feel like they sat him. I can't recall. I think that might have been the case, yeah. I mean, they were definitely but, out of the playoff hunt in week 17, I think, so Again, great short-term memory here, but I, I believe they sat him. At, at any rate, he, he missed two games last year, one, only one because of injury. And it's just you, – you look at his numbers, and he is – Mike Zimmer is not afraid to lean on him. When they were out of – when it looked like they were out of the playoff – oh, that's right. Um, he actually his, – uh, his father passed away. So he missed week 17 for personal reasons. So when, when people look – think Debo is always on top of it. Um, if I didn't have Debo, I'd be a blundering fool – but the, the point being is that he, he did miss week six for injury, but week 17, you know, people will look at it and say, Oh, he only played 14 games last year, but he really, you know, he only missed one game, 15 games. Honestly. Yeah. And honestly, like 14 plus games, like is, yeah, it's not that bad. Like, um, and, and I think that, so like the difference between we talked about earlier, like when we're at the bottom of the list, these guys that can be replaced and like Aaron Jones is maybe at that line where like you might pay a guy, you might not, like the difference with like guys like Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara, McCaffrey, I mean, is like, yes, you can substitute in a Mike Davis or uh, an Alexander Madison or a Latavius Murray, and they'll put it like fantasy wise, they'll be fine. Like they'll give you the 75 yards on the ground. They'll give you the five catches for 50 yards. But the difference like with Dalvin Cook and, and uh, Kamara, like there's always like a breakaway ability like that's, oh, that's yeah. just built in. And Kamar, so like Cook Cook reminds you a little bit like of Chubb, where if they get the edge, when they turn that corner, it's just, there's this little turbo button they can press. And it's just yeah. And, and it's, it's not that effortless. It, yeah, and it's not that Latavius Murray can't do that. It's not that like, but they just have it like it's built into them. And so, like, even if they're balanced, like Nick Chubb is with Kareem Hunt, even if Alexander Madison gets more touches, like there's something in them that still makes them a special talent that makes them worth paying as, as a weapon. And I think Dalvin Cook has that. 
Uh, Cook, by the way, if he his per 16 game numbers, 357 carries, yikes, 1,779 yards and 18 touchdowns, along with 50 catches, 413 yards. Only had one receiving touchdown last year, which is a little surprising for him. I guess they there was a point where the Vikings, the Vikings started out really slow. They lost their first three games, finally beat Houston, got Bill O'Brien fired in week four, lost their next two games, and people were like, oh, the Vikings are toast. And I remember saying this, and I, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not right that mm-hmm. often, but I was sort of right here. I was like, look, if you look at their schedule, Green because in week seven, Green Bay, Detroit, Chicago, Dallas, Carolina, Jacksonville over the next, it, it, it was okay. This team can get back in the playoff race by leaning on Dalvin Cook against some really bad rushing defenses. And frankly, they did it. They beat Green Bay. He had 30 carries. Beat Detroit. He had 22 carries. Beat Chicago. He had 30 carries for 96 yards. And that was a good rush defense. They lost to Dallas somehow. That's the team you're going to lose to? The Cowboys without Dak? They lose to Dallas. He had 27 carries for 115 yards. Not his fault they lost. Somehow only 18 carries for 61 against Carolina. And then Jacksonville, 32 carries, 120 yards. Tampa, even, a good rush defense, 22 carries, 102 yards. Chicago, again, 24 for a buck, 32. But they lost those final three games against Tampa, Chicago, and New Orleans. And that's what sent them you know, reeling out of the playoffs. They had gotten back into the playoff hunt, and it was because of Cook. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they, put a t- uh, they do the same thing coming into this year, where they say, look, we paid Dalvin Cook. He wants mm-hmm. to run. The, he wants the rock. Let's feed him, and we'll use Kirk Cousins on play action to Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, and that'll be the offense. This offense should be really good again. The offensive line's getting better. I think Cook, if Derrick Henry doesn't have a superhuman season this year, then Cook could end up being the number one running back. But again, Derrick Henry. And if their if their defense is improved too, which it should be. I mean, they were bad last year. If it gets even anywhere closer to like the standard for Mike Zimmer. You could reason then that like maybe there's going to be more games where he's able to control the clock as instead of like Kirk Cousins is trying to throw for 400 yards so they can catch up. Um, there might be more of those scenarios too. I mean, we're, I think we are both uh, from things that you said like a little bit moving up on the Vikings. I think and yeah, for sure. There's there seems to be more of a chance where he's kind of gets a, and maybe they do that with Madison too late in games, but where he's going to have some chances to just control the ball too. I agree completely. And you're number one running back. You're not an idiot. This is a no-brainer. You don't, who knows if he'll be able to – if there was one running back in the NFL over the last 20 years, well, I say 10 years maybe because Adrian Peterson would count too, where you give this guy 681 carries over a two-year span. He leads the league in rushing yards, rushing yards per game, and touchdowns, rushing touchdowns over two years, each of the, each of the two years. I mean, he had 33 rushing touchdowns over the last two years and three, uh, 3,567 rushing yards over the last two years. Derrick Henry, it, I, I mean, I don't know how long he can withstand this physical yeah. toll, but if there was one guy that I think is not going to fall apart, not going to get injured because of the carries, it's freaking Derrick Henry, who's just a man-child and a no-brainer number one running back. I mean, he's he's a line. He's not even like a, he's bigger than linebackers, like some linebackers. So he's a ridiculous, like physical specimen. His his yards per carry has gone up for three straight seasons, and so it's not like he's while well, his um, carries have gone up. Right? Yeah, his carries are going through the roof, and like his yards per carry carries, and he gets stronger. <laughs> exactly. It's like he's growing, like as he he carries the ball more. I, yeah, like so you'd think normally 
you're going to get a wear, a wear down at some point. Um, but he's so far like stretched it out. I mean, 5.4 yards per carry. You don't like, you think of him like, Oh, he ran for 2000 yards and he's like barely getting four yards of carry. Cause he's just like running into people and hitting a wall. But no, like the one downside is he's not giving you a ton in the passing game, but he doesn't really need to because he's like, he's giving you 2000 yards on the ground. And like the style of the Titans offense is like, you just pound it, pound it, pound it with him. And then you throw to some physical receivers with AJ Brown, Julio Jones. It just works there. I think he's the closest. You mentioned Adrian Peterson to like just the imposing physical specimen at running back where like um, regardless of his speed, whatever, like he's just, you don't want to match up with them. And you know so, which I mean, he's probably the, the scariest if you if you had to play linebacker, or cornerback, or any any defensive position, this was not defensive line because those guys are big enough. But if you had to play cornerback, linebacker, or safety, and you rank dudes you don't want to tackle, he's number one easily. Right, because you're trying to rally half your defense to come over, and not just like three or four times, but like 20, 30 times a game, like that's that's draw you know what i mean because it's not just like if you're a safety unless you're you know cam chancellor size like you're not like one-on-one taking down derrick henry and so you are like it doesn't matter if you play in the nfl like this is derrick henry and so you need multiple defenders to take him down and that's many times a game that does wear you down like it's no wonder he averages five yards a carry and so yeah it's just a matter of how long can he keep this up like three years from now is this guy just like he he is bigger than everyone else but at some point that many hits like he's taking that many shots so we'll yeah. see so this is my favorite stat on Derrick Henry from I think this is from Thanksgiving on but it's the final seven games of the year last year basically the you know the the season is long and we're talking the second half of the year essentially where you would expect all these carries are adding up he said he had a 31 carries week one, 25, 26, 19, 22, 20, 18, 21, 19. They ease him up a little bit. Then they get to the second half of the season, and they say, hey, Derek, it's time to eat. Over the final seven games of the year last year, he had 177 carries, 1,081 rushing yards, nine rushing touchdowns, and he averaged 6.11 yards per carry. If you prorate that over a 16-game season, it is 405 carries, 2,471 rushing yards, and 21 rushing touchdowns. He is an animal late in the season. And granted, he had some good matchups. Indianapolis, okay against the run. Uh, Cleveland, okay against the run. He actually didn't run very well against them. They lost that game. But they won three of their final four games. Jacksonville, he slaughtered them for 26 carries, 215 yards. It feels like every time he plays Jacksonville, he's just breaking off some 99-yard touchdown run. Uh, they obliterated Detroit. He had 24 carries, 147 yards. Then they light up, or they lose to Green Bay in week six, week 15. Then in week 16, 34 carries, 250 rushing yards against the, the Detroit, or the, against the Houston Texans. He is in a monster down the stretch, and he was again last year. It's just, again, it comes out to will the carries, if the carries are too much, we, we know that science says X number of carries, it's like 370 or whatever it is, the football outsiders decided if it or 350 does it does it finally add up for him or does he do it again next year it will be fun it'll be fascinating to watch to see i mean yeah like you said if anyone's going to do it you think like he has the just the unmatched physical like ability to do that i mean no one is built like him and so if anyone's built to withstand it it might be him 
Sure might be. All right, Cody, this list was good. Uh, we actually talked for a really long time. Sorry, I kept. Uh, I, I ate up all of your time on this uh, this, well, this Wednesday, I guess, for, for people that are listening. But this is a good chat on running backs. Very curious to see who ends up on the number one li- number one next year. Would not want to bet against Derrick Henry. Uh, thanks as always, dude. Good stuff. Talk to you soon. Thanks for having me.